Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And hello, welcome to The Call, 10 Stocks, picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Wednesday, the 29th of June. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you join us. Our guests for today, are, well, I should call them experts, shouldn't I? <laughs> they are Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Island from DP Wealth Advisory. Welcome to both of you. Uh, actually, I'm going to ask you first off, just we I saw those latest retail sales figures from May. Andrew, we're still spending even uh, as we're conscious of uh, the cost of living at the moment. So I guess it's going to harden the RBA's resolve, isn't it, as far as uh, rate hikes are concerned? Yeah, well, what did they say last meeting? There's $240 billion worth of sort of savings in the system, 21 months worth of expenditure. So, uh, yeah, that money's not going to go away anytime soon. And I know it's a very nuanced conversation. There's plenty of people that don't have anything. And then there's plenty of people that have got too much. But across uh, across the main, we're still spending. So, uh, yeah, you can certainly see the RBA, uh, they're not going to be pulling back on that uh, data at all. And probably one of the reasons why the share market's uh, feeling a little unhappy today, especially after the weak lead from Wall Street. Yeah, indeed. It is looking very red out there today. Henry, is those... Um Retail figures surprise you? Um, not really, I've got to say. Oh, um, you're spending, are you? I, I am spending, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm certainly spending. Um, but I'm trying to do my bit, that's for sure. But no, it doesn't really surprise me. When, you, when you're out and about in the street, I mean, there's still a lot of people out there spending, mm. especially on experiences. I think the service sector, mm. cafes, restaurants and those sorts of things, you know, it's still hard to get a booking. You know, you, you, you try and get onto a restaurant or a cafe, they're, they're not easy to get onto. So, People are definitely, definitely out there spending, even in, in retail land as well, I think people are spending. And you know, it doesn't uh, hurt that we've got a cold snap at the moment. So you know, how many black puffer jackets can the world see in the world? Um, you know, that sort of thing helps. And then you know, we've got a lot of people going overseas and they're spending up to, to go overseas as well. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of money still around. Yep, given those savings levels we've seen yeah. uh, elevated, obviously, over the past couple of years. Uh, all right, well, look, um, the first half of the show, we're going to be talking about Northern Star Resources, uh, Beta Shares, NASDAQ 100 ETF, Bubs, PPK Group, and News Corp. Our stock of the day, or in fact, we're going to take a look at a couple. It's right down Henry's Alley, in fact. It is in the lithium space because both Liontown and Pilbara out with updates. Uh, Liontown has entered into an offtake agreement with Ford to supply the car maker with 150,000 dry metric tonnes of spodumene per year. Separately, Ford will also be providing Liontown with a $300 million debt facility to help partially fund development costs at its Kathleen Valley project. Um, its uh, spodumene supply to Ford be expected to begin in 2024. Pilbara Minerals also out with an update, uh, reporting a 54% increase in its June quarter production, in turn boosting the health of its balance sheet. And uh, there we can see the movement of both today at Liontown, obviously outperforming. And Henry, you take a look at the broader market. 
there are some big green spots right there. Um, <laughs> in a in uh, amidst the uh, the carnage we're seeing more broadly in the resources sector today. Yep. I mean, it's a bit like a red wedding, I guess, today. But bear in mind that we had risen, what, 190 points in a couple of sessions, Monday and Tuesday, following that big rise on Wall Street. So, you know, we're down 90-odd points today, so we're giving back half of that rise. So it's not the end of the world, but we mm. are seeing that increased volatility. Good to see Liontown with that uh, Ford agreement, but more importantly, I guess, they're moving to final investment decision with Kathleen Valley, and they did give an indication of the costs. Now, the costs have increased but only around sort of 10%, and that does include increased production as well. So that is good uh, in terms of that because we do know that costs are rising. We saw that with Evolution this week in terms of uh, their production, their cost, their staffing issues, etc. So it's, um, it's a good result for lithium. Uh, stocks today, uh, generally, Liontown leading the charge. And we've had a few good bits of good news in the lithium sector. The Pilbara news as well, uh, that's a positive, probably not quite so much of a positive. But uh, again, you know, they're expanding production capacity, which is good. And that means they can make hay while the sun shines in terms of pricing. So it's been no secret that I have been a lithium bull. The stocks got walloped. Uh, they are coming back now in places and some of them are doing pretty well. But I think you have to be careful that you steer towards the quality projects, the big projects, the ones that are fully funded, because undoubtedly it's going to be harder and harder for companies to raise capital if the market continues to be troubled by uh, lack of confidence and that sentiment easing in, in the sector. So those that have got money and have got facilities like Liontown with this new facility from Ford, they also raised a heap of money as well to fully fund the first stage. So that to me is a tick in the box for Liontown. Are you buying both at these levels? Um, I, have been, uh, I have been long and just holding. I haven't nibbled, uh, but um, I have been looking at uh, increasing my holdings in both. I have to say those are my two favoured stocks in the sector along with, uh, I still like Vulcan which had a big run the other day after Stenaltis uh, put a big investment into them but um, that's come off again so that's a very much a sentiment thing and there is some news out from uh, the EU in early July about the status of lithium in terms of whether it's a, um, a poison, right. a nasty metal that the Europeans are not going to sort of tolerate. Which okay. seems strange because they're going gung-ho with, with batteries, uh, etc., and, and electric vehicles. So it would be a bit of shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, there. trying to hold back that tide. Yeah, you can't hold it back forever. Um, so, Andrew, yeah, well, acknowledge that Henry is a bull. So what are your thoughts then on that space more broadly, but I guess specifically when we take a look at Liontown and also Pilbara? Look, it would be foolish of me to go against the lithium prognosticator. I, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't um, dare have a, a differing view. Um, but look, out of the two, and I certainly know there's a Marcus Today member that's done incredibly well out of Liontown, so I've been living vicariously through the updates as to have him many tens of millions of dollars. He was up at one stage. But, um, yeah, look, I don't mind Liontown, and certainly that Kathleen Valley news is quite good. And no great surprise that the cost of the projects has blown out considering everything that's going on at the moment. But I've got to remember it's a 23-year life on this mine. Uh, we've already got that offtake arrangement in place with Tesla as well, having Ford in the stable as well is, uh, is promising. So, uh, and they've got a little bit of gold and vanadium in there as well. So certainly um, very, very happy to be sort of adding at these levels. Um, and noting that consensus is $2.10. So, you know, assuming that uh, 
people start liking the world again and people want to buy shares, then certainly there could be some upside in this one. So it is mm. a buy. Uh, equally with Pilbara, um, don't mind Pilbara. I probably would get exposure through ACDC, not the rock band, but uh, my preferred uh, battery tech ETF. That's probably how I'd get the Pilbara exposure. But if I was looking just for that pure play, uh, lithium play, then certainly Liontown. But I have also been watching with interest uh, Henry's other one, Vulcan, as well. But Liontown, get on it. All right. Okay, that is the view of both uh, like and like and Lion Town right there. Uh, all right, let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one being Northern Star Resources, the Goldie. Uh, Carla wanted about this now. Of course, earlier in the week, uh, Evolution came out with an update, and it affected the whole gold um, sector. There, in fact, uh, it hit by rising costs, lower production targets. Um, but uh, Northern Resources uh, announcing it's got the potential to spend up to $1.4 billion to expand the Kalgoorlie Super Pit in WA. Um, so, Henry, we're seeing uh, resources come off. Gold has, I mean, it, it, it uh, was really smashed at the beginning of the week, given what uh, Evolution came out with. Yeah. Northern Star not alone in being hurt. So how do you see Northern Star at the moment? Um, it's, it's not easy being a gold mining investor, I guess, at the moment. Those costs that we saw with evolution and production cuts, staffing issues, COVID issues, lockdowns, all these sorts of things, really having a detrimental effect on evolution. And that spread uh, the, uh, the, the computer share trading uh, <laughs> bots, if mm. you like, um, certainly interpreted that across the sector. They just said, OK, well, if it's evolution's got the problems, then everybody's got the problems and they whacked everything. Now, the question, I guess, is whether they've whacked everything too much. Certainly, when you look at the gold price in Aussie dollars, it has actually been remarkably kind of flatlining. Mm. Everything else has been collapsing, uh, but the Aussie dollar gold price hasn't been too bad, um, mainly because the Aussie dollars come under pressure, which is what it's you know, kind of designed for. But there clearly are massive cost pressures in uh, resources at the moment because of the nature of the business, remote locations, diesel generators, those sorts of things, uh, trucks as well. Uh, that is really affecting these gold miners. At some stage, Northern Star is going to be a buy. I'm just not sure whether it is just yet, uh, whether we need the gold price to be the catalyst for that change around. They've obviously got some options there to, um, to expand the Coolgardie uh, Super Pit, which is good. Uh, they've got three options on the table. But um, it may be that we see the economics slightly delayed, I guess, because of higher costs involved in uh, that expansion. So um, I think the jury's out. They had a, a bit of a blip up yesterday. I think they were up around 6 or 7% yesterday. But today they're back down 5.5%. So there is this volatility uh, around the bottom. I don't think we've seen it just yet, but at some stage they will be a buy. But if, if you got them, I'd think I'd be a hold. OK, all right. Uh, yeah, in fact, if they if they expand that pit any further, I don't know if you've been there, but they're going to swallow up uh, the town of Kalgoorlie pretty shortly yeah. because it's right on the edge. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to go. No. Um, so, Andrew, what are your thoughts then on Northern Star? Yeah, I was just looking at the Northern Star chart there before, Andrew, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's certainly not a pretty-looking chart. I mean, if you look at the underlying metrics of the business, if I can put it that way, their cash cost in A dollars is about $1,600 an ounce. 
and yet the spot price for gold, as Henry just said, um, if you have a look at the gold price, it's actually holding up remarkably well because of uh, that Aussie dollar influence. Uh, so it's actually making a buck a load of money. But, you know, with those rising costs coming through, as we said, that's sort of causing a bit of angst. And that's why that chart looks terrible. So I think at, at a broader industry perspective, you'd probably just hold off for the time being. But consensus again, one of my favourite measures, uh, just to get a, a, a temperature te temperature check, uh, is about $12, um, $12.50 in, in fact, and you know, here we are at seven. So from that point of view, it's pretty compelling. Even the P 28 times, which is a little exy, but if you're looking at that forecast earnings per share growth, you know, it's close to 100%. But one of Henry's and my other measures, if I can speak for my learned friend, is we're always a little bit dubious when there's mergers taking place. And of course, there was that merger a little while ago now with Saracen. And, you know, that's still washing on through and uh, there's some cultural things in play and trying to work out efficiencies and all that sort of stuff as well. So there's probably enough things to sort of keep me on the sidelines. But the broader thematic, I do like gold, I do like that $8 exposure. It does look cheap, but the chart, it's telling us that the market doesn't like it. So it's a hold for the time being. Yep, okay, all right. That's Northern Star. Let's uh, move on to BetaShares NASDAQ 100 ETF, NDQ. Stuart saying, is it possible to have one of Toowoomba's finest? Well, we got Andrew instead. Um, <laughs> the ETF whisperer, no, come on, it is him. Andrew Wallace cast his measured eye over this one. He knows, uh, in fact, that, uh, Andrew, you appreciate the Vanek Qual ETF, uh, saying their top 10 holdings aren't dissimilar, but the weightings are different. Um, or is it simply death by a thousand cuts trying to catch a basket of NASDAQ stocks at this time when we should be defensive? Uh, he also wants to know uh, the view of Andrew's sparring partner, who's sitting next to me, Henry Jennings. Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. So can I just start off, Andrew, by saying appreciate all the questions we get. I think all the questions we get are excellent. But three and a half years of doing the call, very fortunate to be warming the seat for three and a half years. Stuart, this is perhaps the best pros, and I'm not talking about your effusive praise of me, but just, uh, this is a great question. Thanks, mate. So, uh, where are we at? So really, if we come to Stuart, I think we're drilling down to, if, if I'm reading the question correctly, is NDQ versus Qual. We won't deal too much with Qual because Qual comes up potentially mm. a little bit later, spoiler. Yep. But if we have a look at the composition of NDQ, it's 51% technology. Now, technology is not in a happy little place at all at the moment, uh, with that being Captain Obvious. 51%, and if we compare that to Qual, Qual is only 37%. Equally, there's only 6% health exposure in NDQ, where it's 20% Qual. And Telco, or communication services, there's 17% exposure in um, NDQ, the NASDAQ, because that's what NDQ is doing, it's mirroring the NASDAQ. And there's only 9% in Qual. So that really is why you're seeing such a big difference between them, because everything where everyone is hating happens to be in the NDQ basket. So from my point of view, until we get a better read on what's going on with interest rates, the ergo, what's going on with inflation, uh, and the pressure that technology is under, NDQ is probably not the place to be at the moment. If you still like technology, and I think you should like technology, there's lots of reasons to like technology, is there a better way to get exposure through, say, the S&P 500, as an example, uh, which is about 20, from memory, about 27% technology. So you can still get your tech fix 
but you don't have to have half the portfolio riding on it. Uh, that to me probably would be the better way if you're trying to play a pure index. Whereas those of us who have been doing this long enough and my receding hairline belies my age, as opposed to my hirsute friend sitting next to you, <laughs> who's been doing this even longer, um, you know, like when people really hate the NASDAQ, they can really, really, really hate the NASDAQ and there's potential for more pain coming. So sorry, Stuart, great question, but I, I can't be there. I'm sorry. Okay, so you're pretty much avoiding it at this stage, um, but you're uh, liking qual. We will get to that later in the show, as you mentioned. Um, so, Henry, your thoughts? Um, I'm surprised, actually, that the NASDAQ ETF is only 51% technology. The whole point of NASDAQ is that it's technology. It may not be Google, Apple, Facebook and all those technologies, but the whole point of the NASDAQ index is it's an index of emerging and growth companies that are technology-based, whether it's biocap, you know, biotechs, whatever. Um, I have no idea of the valuation of Facebook, Meta, Google, all these companies. I, I'm not a US analyst, so it's very hard to, uh, to recommend this. I mean, I look at Australian equities, but certainly this is, the, the stocks at the moment are unloved, very much unloved. And the trend is your friend with this one. And, you know, it's hard to get excited. We're on the cusp of the US reporting season where the rubber hits the road and we're going to find out whether the slowdown that we are seeing uh, in economies around the world and especially in the US as we've seen from some of the consumer data and some of the other data is going to affect the Apples, the Googles, the Facebooks, all this sort of thing. Um, so you know for me that the jury is well and truly out. Why try and pick the bottom of this one because I think you know the consensus does seem to be there's more to come and you know you're investing in top technology stocks in the US, and I'm not sure I have the credentials to be able to value Facebook or Google. Okay. So I think for me at the moment, if, if you've got it and you're suffering, maybe it's a hold, but otherwise I think it's still a little early. The trend has not been defined as um, changing yet. Okay, all right, fair enough. Okay, our next one is Bubs has been in the news recently, of course. Rob wanting to know about this one. It's all about Operation Fly Formula, uh, given we've got the shortage in the States, which um, Bubs, of course, mentioned by President Biden himself. Um, it's entered into a new supply agreement with Target in the US, uh, which is one of the largest infant uh, formula retailers in the States. So, Henry, what are your thoughts then on Bubs at this point? Uh, I like this one, but it is all about execution. It's all very well having you know, 747s turn up at Sydney and you're loading on pallets of, um, of infant formula, but it is about execution. It's about being able to provide that infant formula at the right price and then selling it at the right price. So you know, that, that is the key. I, I do like this one. At the end of the day, if you can't capitalise on this to build your brand, in an environment in the US where Abbott has been on the nose for some time, there's inquiries into some of the potential, well, the alleged deaths from, uh, from their formula. If you can't capitalise on this now, you really haven't got a hope. Um, the numbers coming out are all pretty good. Even from China, they're all coming out pretty good. I, um, interesting, they always go in a chemist warehouse uh, around where I live, and I try and look at the, the, the infant formula on the, on the shelves. Now, for a long time, I, um, a2 milk was the, mm. the, the one at eye level because obviously they want you to buy the ones at eye level. But it has dropped down the, um, the scale a little bit. And it's interesting that Bub's uh, formula was front and centre. And when I looked at the Walmart and Target um, websites, 
you know, you have to hunt around a little bit. I have to say they don't promote them perhaps as well as some of the other more well-known brands and I guess cheaper brands because they are premium brands. But I like this one. But if, if you know, execution is key. They've got to be able to deliver and they've got to be able to do it cheap and they've got to have that, um, you know, one talks about supply chain issues. This is the, the, the canary in the coal mine of supply chain issues, if you like. But at 62 cents, for me, it's a buy, but it, it, it kind of got a big bump when it had that initial announcement about the, the first plane load and Joe Biden phoning up Kirsty and saying, you know, what can we do? Mm. We, need, we need some infant formula. Um, but um, it has kind of a, a, a track record, as one member pointed out, of having these blips and then falling back to earth. At the moment, it seems to be drifting a little bit, but it's holding, I guess, at least compared to the market, which is a bit all over the place. So it's still a buy for me. So are you saying its competitors should be riding those coattails and also doing well as a result? Uh, well, A2 Milk, obviously, is the one that we have that's listed here as a competitor, but I don't think they've got the same FDA approvals yet in the mm. States to, to go full bore with the, that side of things. And they, they obviously haven't got President Biden's phone number <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, maybe they phone on the hotline. Maybe there's an infant hotline. I don't know. But, um, you know, that they haven't got the same access that Bubs have at the moment. Um, both of them have got a, a unique opportunity, like we saw with China, when we had the scandal over the, uh, the Chinese formula with, I think it was melamine or whatever it was, uh, the plastic that was in the formula uh, from many years ago, which gave A2, Blackmores, you know, Bellamy's, all these guys this massive leg up into the market, which obviously has dissipated over the years. This is another opportunity. Grasp it and make the most of it. And mm. the numbers are showing that they are, but you've still got to execute. You've still got to get tins on planes yep. for $5 and be flogging them in the US for $30. Well, it helps when you've got your own charter plane, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Andrew, uh, clearly American infants like bubs to you. Leading question, Andrew. Uh, could, could, I, uh, could I point people out who aren't Marcus Today members? Sorry, this isn't meant to be an ad, but it's factual i really enjoyed henry's piece on this i think he absolutely nails it so if you haven't if you remember going and read it if oh, not have we'll it. have to give you a discount well you just give it away <laughs> it's really good um but i agree with henry on the execution risk and we've seen this plenty of times before where you've got the best and brightest in australia go to the u.s and you know, just get come back with their tail between their legs. You know, it just gets handed to them, so to speak. So you've got to be pretty careful from that point of view. Um, from my perspective, the easy money has been made on this. Uh, so as we've seen, it's quite sort of cyclical. So you know, is there an opportunity to get back in on some potential bad news? Maybe, but if some bad news, maybe why would you want to buy it? So really, if you're going to buy it, you, you're really buying it as Henry keeps stressing on that execution. There's plenty of good news. There's not, a lot, there's not a lot of good news about it at the moment. So this is a good news story. Maybe play the momentum, play the uh, hope that they execute it. And if they don't, you cut and run. And if they can execute, excellent, because there's probably a lot more upside to it. So it's a qualified buy. I know Nadine, who's uh, you know the keeper of the chair sometimes as well, would slap me for this, but it's a qualified buy. No, I'll take it. All right. OK, there we go. Bubs. Both a buyer or qualified, as, as Andrew says. All right, let's move on to PPK Group. Uh, Owen Mornington about this one. Um, why it has dropped so much, and is it a buy or a sell? It is uh, develops, manufactures, commercialises boron nitride nanotubes. Uh, they're now, they're considered the world's strongest and most advanced fibre. They're used in aviation, uh, car making, space travel. 
Power generation, batteries, electronics, defence. Uh, also got a, uh, an ownership of the battery tech company LAS Energy. Andrew, what do you know about nanotubes? Uh, have you got a, a postage stamp? I can get a chisel. <laughs> <laughs> Cut a bit off. That, that would be the sum total of not a lot because, in fact, what you just said is what I have here is uh, BNNT technology. I know the chart, when we see it in a minute, has been an absolute shocker. According to my data, we're down about 80-odd percent for the year, so it hasn't been very kind. To be fair, though, to be fair, it has spun out now two businesses, spun out that LIS Energy, I think it's called, um, and then it also today, in fact, has distributed a one-for-one unlisted investment in their mining operations. So in the context of, you know, almost being an incubator and actually sort of giving shareholders benefit or value by virtue of other investments, it's a big tick. You know, that's that's really good. Um, but equally so, it hasn't been very friendly at all relating to sort of the uh, the share price performance, and I think the question basically says, why has it dropped and is it a sell, I think is the exact question that we, we've got there. Um, it certainly, from a chart point of view, looks absolutely dreadful. I think really it would come down to your view as if, you know, will market sentiment turn on this whole speculative technology piece? Because if you read the technology, uh, the underlying technology itself seems pretty strong. If I remember correctly, there it's being positioned as a replacement for, uh, for lithium-ion batteries, rather. Um, so, you know, there's certainly that space. Um, but, yeah, from my point of view, it's certainly not investable. Uh, but if I was holding it at the moment, would I be selling it? Probably not, because the other thing, we've spoken about this for pretty much all of May and into June. Any of these beaten-up companies are just getting absolutely flogged at the moment because mm. people who are mm. trying to generate a loss will, in fact, do so coming into... 30 June. So that in itself is also a challenge as well. So from my point of view, too exciting. I'm staying right away. But the technology seems interesting. Okay. All right. So has potential, Henry, but that doesn't mean you should invest in it, of course. No, no. And, and this is another one of those sentiment stocks. I've got to say, you know, you look at so many charts at the moment and they're all exactly the same. You know, they've all come off massively. January. Yeah, just mm. plummeted. Yeah. Um, and certainly tax loss selling is kind of exaggerating that in some. This, this one had a massive kind of run at one stage. Uh, there were lots of hopes on the, uh, the BNNT, the boron nitride uh, nanotubes. Uh, you can, um, you know, actually creating them and making this, this substance is quite difficult. They've been in a partnership with Deakin University, which are kind of the IP behind it to some extent. So um, it was really sexy for a time. And there were lots of sexy things that it could do with it, and even adding it to glass to make bulletproof glass and, and armour plating and that sort of thing, because these guys make um, tactical armoured vests, yep. um, which you know seems to be quite big in the US. So um, you know these, these guys were hot for a while, but now they've gone really, really, really cold. Um, what is going to change that around? I don't know. Maybe it is an end of year thing, but you know it's hard to fall in love with this, as Andrew says. You know, they have spun off two businesses. LIS is, is one. And if you look at the chart of that one, uh, that is also not a pretty place to have been. But, you know, so many of these technology stocks, which were full of hopium and lots of hope, 
um, have, have fallen out of uh, favour. And when they do, it takes a long time to get investors interested again. A lot of PR, a lot of IR, investor relations. So if, if you've got them and you're suffering, then maybe the, you know, the worst is over to some extent. Maybe tax loss is exaggerating it, but these things aren't very liquid either, so it doesn't, that doesn't help. Is it, I mean, do you hold it if you've got it? If, if you hold it, you're obviously a believer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're coming to this new, probably not, not uh, that appealing at the moment unless something dramatically changes. All right. Okay. All right, let's move on to News Corp. Uh, Quinn wanted to know about this. Um, now, of course, interesting, just as far as... Uh, with the company is concerned and elsewhere as media companies with advertising going forward, particularly, I guess, if we head into a more challenging economic environment, which we are, but, you know, or whether, Henry, we even tip into recession. So how does that affect a company like News Corp? Did you mention the R word? No. On air? <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's very I've courageous. You. That's yeah. very courageous, Minister. Oh, I've been talking about it all morning, <laughs> particularly with uh, our US guests. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, News Corp, interesting one, isn't it? I mean, Murdoch's just about to um, get divorced from Jerry Hall as well, which is... Um, as an industry in itself. Yeah, that is an industry in <laughs> itself. There's no recession going to be yeah. there. Trust me, the lawyers are going to be very happy about that one. There's, there's certainly going to be a bounce back in legals. Um, as far as News Corp goes, it is tricky. It is geared to the economy. It does have big shareholdings in things like REA, that sort of stuff, which obviously that one has suffered. Again, another chart that looks pretty horrible. Um, in fact, there's not too many charts out there that do look pretty good, considering you know, we've lopped 1,000 points off the index in the last couple of months. So um, I did kind of like News Corp, and it obviously got a bit of a blip up from the election uh, in terms of advertising. But you know, we are seeing the economy slow in places, not everywhere, as we've seen from those retail sales. So, and the US as well, it's quite exposed to the US. Um, I think at the moment, just stay away from that one. I, I can't see the catalyst um, that's really going to spark that. And with Rupert divorcing, and he's not a young man, let's face it. No. There is potential there, I guess, for um, some dislocation of um, the management board, etc. Which we've seen before. Which we have seen before. Uh, so, Andrew, yeah, your thoughts then on News Corp? Andrew, I really do hope there is a cool highlight reel for the year because that comment relating to Rupert Murdoch and the industry in itself, if that's not in there, I'm going to be really disappointed. He's, that a, was... he's a big target. He is indeed, Uncle Rupert. Anyway, um, look, I don't actually mind this one. Uh, certainly everything that my learned friend says is absolutely spot on as always. But if I was a glass half full type of guy, I would point to the fact that they've actually gone through and annuitised or in the process of annuitising a number of their businesses and have been really driving down margin along the way. In particular, say Wall Street Journal is an example. Uh, you know, they've got a lot more people on the digital piece. Uh, they're certainly doing some uh, a lot of work across their sort of empire, for the want of a better term. So I'm actually thinking it's a buy. I'm going to sort of go out on the on a ledge there and actually say it's a buy. I'm noting that consensus is about $39 relative to the market price, which I think at the moment is around 23 Obviously, there's a number of swing factors, and the dreaded R word is probably the, the main one, that if there's a real bite, uh, then from a consumer discretionary point of view, people will give up you know, their subscriptions or whatever the case may be. But equally so, we know they're insidious, these subscriptions. We know that was the average Australian has 20 plus subscriptions or maybe a better way of putting it is sort of direct debits that are coming out of their credit cards every month. 
So if you can get in the system, you know, it's like uh, trying to sort of, you know, find an insect and bash it, you know, they're sort of all over the place and they're, they're difficult to get a hold of. So I think News Corp is a speculative, dare I say it, buy. All right. Okay. Good one. Okay, let's sum up where we've been for the first half of the show. Uh, We began with those uh, lithium stocks in particular with an update from Liontown and Pilbara. Uh, Henry um, essentially has a a hold on both, but he is uh, looking to buy. Andrew, yeah, look, at I mean, you know, you could could call it a a buy as far as he's concerned, but uh, he does actually like ACDC, the ETF there, if you want to get exposure to uh, battery stocks. the first one, as picked by you, in the gold space, they've been hammered this week, uh, and they're deeply in the red again today. Northern Star uh, also got an update as far as uh, expansion of its Kalgoorlie Super Pit. Um, a hold from both. Uh, BD shares NASDAQ uh, 100 ETF, NDQ. In comparison with one we're going to do uh, in the second half of the show, Qual, um, Andrew's saying, yeah, why bother you, you look at this one, the other one instead? He's, it's an avoid. Um, Henry's saying, yeah, largely an avoid, maybe a hold, but uh, if you really want to get uh, some exposure there. Um, Bubs, uh, having done well, of course, off the call from uh, Joe Biden uh, to fill the, uh, the shortfall as far as the infant formula in the States is concerned, a buy from both or a qualified buy from Andrew. PPK Group in nanotubes and avoid from Andrew. A hold maybe from Henry. Um, but Andrew's saying, look, and both agree it's got potential, but not investable at this point. And News Corp, well, we had a bit of a, a, a difference here of opinion and a void from Henry and a speculative buy there from Andrew. All right, so let's, um, let's go to our portfolio, which we're tracking. Uh, it's picked by our investment committee, the latest episode of that committee, live here to watch at ausbiz.com. Checking in on that, West Farmers, Elders and ResMed, they were added earlier this month, shifting the original allocations. Uh, so keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, speaking of next, second half of the show, we'll look at Boss Energy, Ramsey Healthcare, Vanek MSCI International Qual, that uh, quality ETF, Zip and Magellan. All right, to Boss Energy in the uranium space. Troy saying uh, he wants a review of this, has made a final investment decision regarding the development of its honeymoon uranium project in South Australia to target production uh, for December 2023. Um, Henry, uranium. And uh, look, it'll be, I guess, the next cab off the rank if it actually starts uh, producing there as far as uranium is concerned. Always lots of promise there, of course. uh, Still recovering from, I guess, the (laughs) Fukushima, which was what, a decade ago now? 
think even longer. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to get my head around the 20 direct debits that I got for subscriptions. I'm just trying to work through those. So thanks, Andrew, for reminding me. I might have to cull a few. But um, Boss Energy Honeymoon Project, I mean, it's, I guess it's one of the, the foremost projects in Australia in terms of uranium. The question is whether you like uranium. And there was a big, big push for uranium, I guess, on the back of what's happening in Ukraine, Russia, in terms of energy supply, in terms of what we saw at Glasgow at COP26, uh, and that move to cleaner, greener fuels. And, and clearly uranium is part of that. You don't see the French kind of squealing as much as the Germans in terms of uh, their energy supply because the French, 70% of their energy comes from uranium. So there is a bull case for uranium at the moment and BOSS is obviously part of that. And if you like the uranium story, then BOSS is, the, uh, is one of the premier ways to go out with Paladin, BOSS uh, and maybe even Alligator Energy uh, as the sort of uh, the third one there for, for Aussie investors. But it does depend on the uranium price staying up um, and um, it has been drifting off, I have to say. Well, that talk about uranium, and it takes mm. a long time mm. to, to build the capacity. There are, you know, there's many uh, nuclear power plants being built around the world, China, the US, even in the UK, and there's a whole new generation, uh, I guess, of power plants coming along because the, the current power plants are sort of designed in the 60s and the 70s, and they've been around a long time. But um, you know, it's still... It's one of those stories that gets going every now and then and then it kind of peters out. It's such a long-term thing. And this one's petered out a bit. It has its moments. I think its moment could come again. And clearly the Honeymoon Project is a, is a quality project that's heading in the right direction. Um, but it does all depend on your view on uranium. And at the moment, we are seeing resources generally coming under that pressure. If we are going to see a recession, then uh, that is going to affect all resources, even uranium to some extent. But I'd say, you know, here we are at what, $1.80? Mm. Certainly more a buy than a sell. Um, so, you know, I'd probably be, I hate that nibble thing because we talk about it a lot, but you know, if, if you are looking at the future, the longer term, then I think this one starts to look interesting. I'll and call it an ad then, shall I? You can call it an ad. Yeah, that's a better term than a nibble. <laughs> I will go with ad. But yeah, it's definitely an ad. If you're a uranium fan, this is one of the best ways to play it. Yeah, OK. Andrew, your thoughts then? Of course, the irony being that, um, you know, Australia digs the stuff out of the ground but never uses it. Yeah. Indeed, Andrew. Very, very philosophical of you. Um, it's an ad. It's an ad. Right, uh, OK. I, uh, I'm just looking at the, the fact that they've got no debt funding, as in they don't need debt to get this pro this honeymoon project uh, off the go. Uh, it's got a cost of production of around $25 a pound, and the spot price is sitting at around, I think it's about $47 at the moment. And if you have a look, the spot price has been holding up relatively high since around mid to late last year. It had a real run up. It ran up into the high 50s. We've retraced, but even so, it's still well above its average. And even when there was sort of the uh, the winter, if I can put it that way, if with uranium prices, that was still in the mid 20s. So even if we you know, really pull back, from a cost of funding point of view, I mean, it's not great. You want it to be able to make money, but you know, it's it, it's not inconceivable to see that they'd still be able to break even, even if there was a pullback in the uranium price. I note that the CEO and chair have also been adding to their holdings, which again is sort of one of my green lights. So um, yeah, I, I think it's an ad. All right, okay, two ads there on Boss Energy, uranium in your portfolio, perhaps. All right, let's. Uh, 
move on to healthcare, of course, often seen as defensive, particularly in times like this. Oscar wanting to know about it. In fact, uh, for that, uh, the March quarter it reported uh, revenue up 5.7%, uh, uh, NPAT down by 59%, uh, which it attributed to COVID interruptions um, and the like. Uh, also, just today, of course, the uh, board having approved and outlined its plans to achieve net zero emissions by 2040. And Henry, also, of course, we did see that takeover offer, yep. which went nowhere. Um, what, what does net zero emissions by 2040 mean for a healthcare company? I'm just, well, also, it's, for, it's talking about in its, like, for its theatres and its I private know, hospitals. You know, that, um, this is yeah. just greenwashing, surely. Okay. You know, <laughs> net zero emissions by 2050. We'll all be dead and buried by the time we hold them to account. Um, Depends how well your operation goes, I guess. Well, yes. yes. I guess I'm just thinking 20 years. Yeah, I'll be dead. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we'll go back to... I mean, Ra Ramsey Healthcare is an interesting one, mainly because the barbarians are at the gate. And this is KKR, who mm. have got a bid on the table, in theory. Now, it's an $88 bid, and they are behind the scenes doing, doing due diligence. There's a number of peripheral players as well looking at um, what happens in the event that the takeover succeeds and some people want to take the hospital assets and, and turn it into a REIT and then have somebody, a different company, operating the assets and then sort of split it into two behind the scenes. So there's, there's a lot going on, but you have to think that the world has changed a smidge in the last uh, month or so in terms of valuations. And we've seen that with Link, where the, uh, the bid was knocked down by 20 odd percent on that bid there. So you'd have to think, and the market is certainly pointing out, you know, here we are at, what, $73, that uh, the $15 of upside really isn't there. Uh, the risk is, of course, the deal falls over completely, uh, that Ramsey don't uh, follow through, or KKR don't follow through with the bid uh, because of what they find, uh, or the bid is, or the risk is that they knock it down to $75. Yeah. But so, well, we've already seen the share price, it's coming back down to those previous yeah. levels, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you're doing takeover arbitrage, the thing to do is, is you've got to weigh up the risk reward and you've got to think, OK, the worst case scenario is they walk off into the sunset, in which case, what is the stock price? Or the risk is to the upside is what is the bid going to be finally and how long does it take as well and what form does it take and is that risk worth the reward? I, I've been looking at this one and trying to work out whether the risk is worth the reward but I'm not sure it is at the moment, especially given the link experience that we have seen with that bid sort of cascading down in terms of the share price and then finally getting confirmation that they had cut the bid from, what, 550 or something to, to $4.30. So um, I think this one, the jury is still out. The National Health Service is a mess. Um, they, in the UK, these guys are exposed to Europe as well, France. Obviously, uh, they've just agreed recently uh, to a new payment regime, I think. Um, but, you know, things are, things are going to be tough out there. So I'm not convinced this one is going to go through and the market certainly is saying it's... it's Do you hold it, though, if, you know, depend, I well, depends on that bid? My, my usual advice is if people have been shareholders and they get a bid for something, my yeah. usual advice is to sell some on the first day because usually things get a bit more complicated from there. You've got to get FIRB, you've got to get all these different yep. approvals um, and it tends to drift off. Um, but always hold some because there's never usually the first bid is the last bid. But um, unfortunately, the first bid and the second bid could be significantly sure. down as opposed to up. So, you know, if you're a shareholder, you probably hold it. But if you were looking at this as an odd play, 
I think the risk at the moment is the bid will get ratcheted down to you know, high 70s, maybe 10 bucks off, and then you're going to go, mm, really? Yeah. All right, Andrew? How do I compete with that analysis? Um, because it's pretty much spot on. Uh, pre the uh, announcement of the bid, it was around $65, you know, shoots up. And then uh, for all the reasons that Henry just enunciated, it's now sort of trading back in the 73s. So the risk return, you know, could it fall back to 65 if um, KKR just walks away and says all too hard? Uh, but with all the macro factors at the moment, I mean, you talk about FERB needed. I mean, across all different jurisdictions, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of requirements re re uh, needed to actually get this deal over the line. It just does seem too hard. And on a valuation basis, it's currently trading on a P of 54. Now, again, it's elevated because of all the reasons we just spoke about. But um, you can certainly see pain coming if uh, the suitor was to walk away. You know, KK, um, KK, Ramsey talk about um, COVID impact because the, the quarterly results that just came out was pretty ordinary. But, you mm. know, there's pent um, up demand and all that sort of stuff. Bottom line, it's a hold. OK. All right. All right. Moving right along. And we sort of we've touched on this. Um, it is the Vanek MSCI International Quality ETF Qual. Lil wanting to know about this, asking with the market looking a bit worse for wear, a bit. Uh, is now the time to buy ETFs? I'll... We know the answer, don't we, Andrew? Come on. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. But if we're talking specifically about qual, which of course we are, then mm. I, I think there's a reasonably strong case. I don't think there's a compelling case, but I certainly think there is a strong case. So again, just for those who haven't sort of heard me rabbiting on for the last couple of years about qual, it uses the MISCI, the Morgan Stanley Capital Index, you know, as sort of its universe, screens for companies with high return on equity, low levels of debt, steady to increasing earnings. 300 companies meet that criteria. So there's 1,500-odd in the universe, screens out 1,200 of them, just holds the best companies. But as we also spoke about when we were answering about NDQ, there are some weaknesses to qual. Um, the fact that it's 37% technology, not as high as 51% as NDQ, but certainly higher than 26, 27% for the S&P 500. So it does have that bias. Um, if you have a look at the performance, in fact, it's been listed since 2014. It's actually had its worst quarterly performance since it's listed the last quarter that we've just gone through. It's down 11% for the quarter, 16% for the year. Again, arguably because of that high technology bias and all the things we said before about NDQ. If I sort of then go back to 2014 since inception, it's up 14% per annum relative to its benchmark, the MISCI, which is up 12. So, you know, if you look at the average holding um, or average weighted holding, the average company it's holding is about $650 billion in size and those companies are trading on average at about 21 times earnings. So you're buying a high quality business or businesses mm. that are trading, albeit look, 21 times is expensive, but in the context of the type of quality businesses that you're getting, your Apples, your Microsofts, your Johnson & Johnsons, your Visas, et cetera, uh, I'm still happy to buy it, but you know, again, caveat emptor, 37% technology, if interest rates really start ramping up, 
you're going to get hurt as you have been already, but you take the longer term lens, the type of businesses you're holding. Yep. Uh, to me, yep. it is a core portfolio holding in not only my client portfolios, but also in the Sarand Super Fund. All right, a core holding, um, but somewhat of a qualified buy there, a qual buy. Yep, <laughs> okay. All right, Henry? Is that the spotted qual buy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I, this, this, this is an interesting one. Forget, forget the, um, the underlying ETF, because Andrew's nailed it as usual, because he is the ETF whisperer. Mm. Uh, the question, I guess, is if, do you buy the market, whether that's world markets, NASDAQ, whatever market. Um, and there was an interesting study done on Bloomberg uh, that I was reading uh, the other day about timing the market. And it's really hard to time the market. Even the professionals can't time the market accurately every single time. You might get lucky, you might have a dinner party story, you might get lucky, but the chances are you probably will once or twice in your investing career, but the rest of the time you'll stuff it up or go too early or go too late. So the question is, do you dollar cost average? And maybe that's the answer because retail investors, they will struggle to time the market. If the pros can't do it, yep. they, they will struggle as well. So this sort of thing is one of those instruments, world markets, it's got a great long-term track record, as have world markets. We're going through a period where things aren't too rosy, but uh, if you were a long-term investor, again, you know, dollar cost averaging is, is a way to take the timing issue out. Okay, all right. All right, now uh, we speak about ugly charts, and we're about to get a couple of examples. Uh, we're diving into the buy now, pay later space. Pam, what do you know about Zip? And it, in fact, that market is looking is going to get even more crowded, particularly, Henry, at a time when I'm going to mention that R word again. Oh, yeah. um, and what consumers are going to, how they're going to react. <laughs> Goodness, taking a look at Zip's chart, oh. talk about ugly. Uh, it, it's, it's an ugly one. I mean, I guess the, the one that's escaped by the skin of its chinny-chin-chin was Afterpay with the deal, mm. the deal with Talk Block. about timing. Talk, well, exactly, talk about timing. There were some fist pumps going on there. Um, Zip, unfortunately, the fist pumps have been in a downward tra trajectory. Um, what is going to stop that? I'm not sure. They've got a pile of cash, which is good. They've nearly got as much cash as the market cap. They're now a 300-odd million dollar market capitalization company, which is extraordinary considering that they were billions and billions. You know, it's just been an extraordinary ride, not a good way. They've really come undone this one. So um, the question is where to from here? They've still got the Sezzle takeover sort of hanging in the wind. Um, I'm not sure where that is, but Sezzle have plummeted as well as you would expect. Bad debts, credit problems, reg regulation problems. Their best hope is that somebody snatches them up in a kind of a, a, a rescue package, effectively, to, to basically get hold of all their customers that they've onboarded at vast expenses. And I suspect the price is not yet cheap enough for that to happen. The cash they've got, they will spend. They get through it. They've, they've got no problem spending cash. Mm. Um, I think they're in a tougher environment. Recessionary, consumer spending, bad debts rising, interest rates rising. It's not easy. And regulation, UK, Australia, yep. US. I, I can't really get excited about it. So this. certainly not a buy, but if you've written it down to these levels and you're in it, what, what do you do? Um, I think you, every now and then they have a pop because there's some piece of good news and there's a massive short position in this stock. So every now and then they do have a pop and I think you use that as pops to lighten the load. If you're a disciple and you're a convert and you yeah. love buy now, pay later and you use it a lot or however you approach it, then I think your best hope, your best prayer, 
living on a prayer for this one, mm. um, is that some big boy, I mean really big boy, just go, yeah. you know what, 300 million is easy, that's just, right. we'll spend that on the company, we'll get all these existing customers and we can leverage from there. Okay. All right, Andrew, Zip, Zap, your thoughts? Yeah, look, Andrew, it's a tough one because as Henry expertly points out, have I used that term expertly in Henry in one sentence before? I don't think I have. Well, I, I think uh, you should stop. I should stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, 327 million market cap holding 303 million in cash. It's not often that you can buy, in essence, a company at its asset backing in, in the context of the market capitalization. But there is a reason, dear. Uh, call listener viewer and for all of the headwinds that Henry just took us through before I was just uh, reading before the buy now pay later space 12 billion dollars in sales in Australia last year up a hundred percent but you also have the new minister and I'm sorry I'm not across uh, their name but saying that regulation is coming so on top of all the other noise you know the R word Stephen and rising yep. interest rates and yep. all that stuff yep. you've then got that so from my point of view it's a hold okay all right and to another ugly chart uh let's move on finally to magellan uh it's uh, certainly had its problems with personnel uh kieran wanting to know about this funds under management tumbled more than five percent in may it's going to fall out of the asx 100 uh and of course that's going to put further pressure on them at the same time andrew magellan you know what andrew <laughs> Hard to believe that I'm an ETF guy. I, I know that people struggle with that. But the last week or so, I've started to become a direct equities guy again. And not not just, you know, exclusively, but certainly starting to sort of survey the, the environment, the, the damage. And I look at the, if we're talking fund managers briefly, fund managers as a cohort, so Pendle, Janus, Magellan, all that group, they're now trading on average at a PE of nine. They haven't been that cheap since the GFC. They've fallen, that cohort on average have fallen 30% since January relative to the market that's only, fall, only fallen 15%. So it's beta two. So basically you're getting an exacerbated move when markets are falling. But of course, as we know from a mean reversion point of view, when markets do get their act back together again, that they will also bounce pretty hard. So as a cohort, I'm looking at that group super closely. However, from a Magellan point of view, they've got some real structural issues going on. As we know, their performance hasn't been that flash. Therefore, they're seeing significant outflows. We've had the health issues with Hamish Douglas, et cetera, et cetera. So having said all that, I think if you're willing to take a calculated risk, and the calculated risk is Magellan on a P of six, relative to the cohort at nine. And I think from memory, it's about a 9% dividend for next year, not fully franked. Uh, even if that dividend was to halve, you're still getting four and a half percent. I think this is a qualified buy, Andrew. All right, okay. Henry. Um, I, I think um, Andrew is um, a little bit too optimistic, I have to say, in this one. And, you know, Hamish was the shaman he was the, the, the rock star, the idol of this one. Nikki Thomas is, is quality, and she's a, she's a great uh, analyst, a great portfolio manager, but she's no Hamish. And, you know, we've seen interviews in the AFR this week trying to increase her profile. I used to work with Nikki uh, way back in the dark, dim days in the, uh, in the 90s. Um, so she, she does know her stuff. She's very good. But it's going to take more than one Nikki to turn this one round. 
Um, I think you know the jury's still out. The, the, the funds under management at the end of May was 65 billion. Um, at the end of May, the index was 72.80. Um, so you know, even if they don't lose any more money, yeah. they've lost money yeah. because now here we are at 66.90. So you know, there's there's five ten percent down since um, since there. So no, for me, just you know, from, we saw it with with Platinum mm. with Kerr Nielsen once he sort of stepped out. Step back, they, you lose your mojo, you lose your talisman, and Hamish was the talisman. Yeah, because a lot of these are personality driven. A lot they? of them, are, well, yeah. life is personality driven. Mm. I came across R- Rene Rifkin's old book the other day, <laughs> a signed copy. <laughs> How much is that worth on eBay? Talk about the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the 80s. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, 80s. Um, right. But yeah, signed copy of Rifkin's yeah. Rules. There you go, by Nigel Littlewood. All right, so you no. are. No, no, for no, the time a being. big no. All right, okay. So let's sum up the second half of the show. Then, uh, boss, energy in the uranium space. Uh, it is an ad from both uh, Ramsey Healthcare. Uh, it is Henry sent essentially a no, maybe a hold, a hold from Andrew. Uh, the Vanek uh, Qual ETF core holding says Andrew, no surprise there to buy, also buy from. Henry maybe with some dollar cost averaging going on. Uh, zip. Uh, Henry says, look to sell if it, if it pops at any time. A hold from Andrew. And then finally there, Magellan. A qualified buy from Andrew and a no from Henry. That is our show for today. Henry, thanks for joining us for Marcus today. A1 and A2. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And uh, Andrew, always good to see you there. Thanks for joining us from DP Wealth Management. Thank you, Andrew. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email to call at ausbiz.com.au or you can tweet us at TV, and you can find those stocks in the course portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 